Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. Let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. I want to start here and just see where we where we end up at. First Corinthians chapter nine. You grab. Um, I want to read several verses of scripture and then um, get to where we trying to go to. First Corinthians chapter nine. You there? Verse twenty four. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, or in other words, self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others... I myself should become disqualified. Let's read it again. Verse 24, Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is self-controlled in all things. They do not do it to obtain a perishable crown. They Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into uh, subjection, lest that when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. I want to read two verses of scripture out of there and try to put it together. The book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. It says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, look at this, every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, or the originator and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, uh, despising, uh, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Father, I just thank you today for the word of the Lord. I pray that you would anoint me afresh. Help me, God, strengthen me to just preach. And Lord, help me preach good in Jesus' name. Amen. How many's ever heard a preacher say, help me preach bad? When you pray before a game, do you pray to win or lose? You pray to win. You say this, this is my prayer for a baseball game. Father, help us play good. Help us make all the plays. Help us hit the ball hard. Help them boot a few plays to help us out. We're going to need it in Jesus' name. <laughs> Listen, I got this thought uh, this morning that I just want to share with you that um, really... Um, just about running the race. I've I've uh, I've had a lot of just thoughts this week, but I want to I want to talk to you this morning uh, about uh, running a race. How many knows that we're all in a race in this room? We're in the race of life. Uh, we're 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 all in a race, and um, uh, <clears throat> that 
Not only that, if we're if we are believers, and most of us in this room are, we're in a race of 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 the walk, the the Christian faith. And how many knows this that it's not uh, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, it's a race that we're in. And when we read Paul's instruction, and then we read the writer of Hebrews' instruction, they give us instruction on how to run the race. Other words, he's first of all know this that we're not in the race alone. The enemy a lot of times tries to uh, make us feel isolated and that we're, we're all alone in this thing. How many knows this, that if you, according to the writer of Hebrews, that we're compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. The Bible even says this, that we entertain angels unaware, not even knowing of it. How many knows that's in the book? But not only that, the ones that have gone before us in the faith really have lined the grandstands of heaven, if you will, and they're, and they're watching our race. They're encouraging us to, to press forward, to go on, to, to, to obtain all that God has for us in this life. The Bible also writes in Hebrews chapter 11, which is God's great hall of faith. That's his hall of fame, if you will. And in that, it says that they all died not yet having received the promise, not without us because we're tied into that promise. See, there is coming a generation called the harvester generation. And not only will they bring in a great harvest of souls for the kingdom, there's also going to be a harvest of promises that have been prophesied throughout the Word of God, throughout holy men and women of God that was used by God to prophesy in the earth. Someone's going to obtain those promises. Now, so in this, that when Paul's writing, he first of all, notice that he didn't say that we're to look at our neighbor while we're running the race. Dusty sent out a picture earlier this week and who was at Michael Phelps in the pool. And as he was coming down, uh, uh, and, and Dusty said that, uh, what do you say winners focus on? Winners focus on winning and losers focus on winners. And what it was is Michael Phelps coming down the lane and the guy that was swimming beside him took his face off of what was the end, which is where he was trying to go. And he was trying to see how far Michael was. Are you with me now? That's just like the enemy to try to make us compare our lives to somebody else. How many knows that God's got a race from me? Listen, God loves me so much. He's got stuff in my lane that I don't have to worry comparing myself to what's in your lane. That's a poverty mentality we've embraced in the church, believing if God blesses Matt or if he blesses Tom, then they stole all the blessing. Listen, God's got plenty of blessing to go around. Listen, that's why I can rejoice when he gets blessed because, hey, I'm in the same family and it's just a matter of time before I get blessed. If you're visiting today, I'm subject to holler. Listen, that's why we just say it like this. Teachers tell it and preachers yell it. I'm just a preacher, okay? So, so I, I just, first of all, he says this. He says that we're compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. They are cheering us on in the earth, if you will. All the saints, all the saints that are in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, and all the saints that have died before us, even our saints that we have laid to rest here in this church, just since, I mean, Stan, uh, Doc, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Dan Broom, you know what I'm saying? They're cheering us on from the bandstands of heaven saying run the race they're cheering us on this morning saying run the race man obey God get it done 
Now, it says to look to Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Notice this, that in the race that my eyes has to stay on Jesus. And everything in the race of life comes to knock you down and to get your eyes off of Jesus. Are you with me? Every hardship, having no challenges us. That's why we call believers because we got to believe. That's why it's called the walk of faith, not the walk by sight. It's the walk by the not seen, faith. Now, in this, Hebrews chapter 12, it says, looking into the, unto Jesus. Now, notice this. It says that for the joy. Other words, joy has got to be in this race. There is good times in the race. The, the religion just told us, listen, we're here to hang on. We're here to tough it out, rough it out. Listen, I'm not saying that we won't suffer, but in the suffering we can have joy. And what I'm having to learn, listen, is how to tap into that joy, which is how we're going to complete the race. We will never complete the race if we don't know how to enjoy the race. Joy, joy, I have what listen, joy is not happiness. Happiness happens to do with my happenings. If I'm in Dairy Queen eating a blizzard right now, hallelujah. How many knows we're happy because things are happening? Listen, but every time in my life, things are not going to be happening. So I have to tap into joy, which is a fruit of the Spirit. And joy comes from a place called abiding and abiding in Him. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I've learned how to be content in all things. If I'm abiding in much, I'm content. Why? Because I'm not drawing from my source of happiness by what's happening around me. My joy comes from simply abiding in Him. Now, so he had joy set before him. And this is how he endured, the, this is how he ran his race. Now he gets in and talking about laying aside every weight. How many knows it's easy to start picking up weights? Think about it. You get saved. You get born again. My God, you're excited. I got saved in revival, or however it happened in your life. I got saved in my bedroom, February the 2nd of 1998, with a Bible in God. And then the enemy, it, was, it wasn't long in my walk with God that the enemy started beating me up with lies. That's what, that's what he combats you with, lies. A lie has no power until you take belief in it. When you, when you grasp hold of the lie and you believe it as truth, and we said this Wednesday night, listen to this, what you believe about yourself is truth to you regardless, if, regardless even if it's a lie. Because the Bible says in Proverbs, what's it, 23 verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think that you're nothing, you're going to believe that you're nothing. So the enemy come by, he, 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 he tries to feed me lies to get me to believe in the lie. Listen, so once I bite into that, listen, once, once I devour the lie, when he's empowered, he will devour, okay? So... He says to lay aside the weight. So let me just say this in my own career. On February the 2nd of 1998, I had an encounter with God. Uh, my whole family was backslidden. Uh, my mom, uh, might as well say she was backslidden, okay? She says she ain't never backslidden. But, uh, <laughs> by the King James Red Letter Edition, glory to God, she was backslidden. All right. Take that out of the CD, okay, in case mom podcasts a message. <laughs> I love you. No, listen. So... I got saved in my bedroom. And so listen, I started attending the church. And um, <laughs> that's a rabbit right? I just jumped out. You have to be... 
<laughs> Listen, you have to be careful where you attend church because if you're not careful, what you'll find is your weight will be church and not relationship. Listen, it's not because you come to church, listen, it's going to change your life. It's you hanging out in Christ is going to change your life. The Bible doesn't say if any man goes to church, he shall be a new creation. It says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Sometimes our taste of church, let's just be honest, and they're great, and we got a bunch of great churches, but sometimes in our great churches, we fail to truly represent who Christ is. So the Bible says that lay aside every weight. How many knows this? A lot of times that Jesus said this statement. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So anytime the race that I'm weighed down and I feel like I can't make it, a lot of times I find myself that I'm not under his yoke anymore. What I have is picked up a bunch of weights that he never intended me to tote on the journey. I have never seen a man that is running a marathon. I've never seen them. When we look at the Olympics, those that's going to run, I do not see them out there in steel toe boots and Carhartt jeans. I did not see Michael Phelps going down the pool in insulated coveralls. Did y'all see him like that? A man running a marathon is going to have a little bit of shorts on. And not a sweatshirt. Why? Because he's trying to make it as light on his body as possible. This is what the writer of Hebrews saying. Listen, we've got to rid all the stuff that God never intended us to have in our lives if we're going to obtain the prize which we're all after in this room. And the prize we're after is not to be recognized by some great standards of the church, but the prize we're after is to hear that well done, well done thou good and faithful servant when it's all at the end. This is what we're trying to obtain. That, that prize of seeing the Lord face to face and have his eyes look into our eyes and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So I was just thinking here, what are some of the weights that get in our lives? Look, look at this. Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Let me clear this up. So I get, I get saved. I go to church. Man, I'm all excited. My family's excited. You know, mom's happy that some of the demons has got off of me. Praise God. And, and so my life is being changed. Listen, so the preacher, the preacher says this when he closes every service. He says, you remember when you came to the altar and got saved? Well, I didn't go to the altar and get saved. I didn't come down there and grab the preacher's hand, repeat a prayer after him. I got saved with an encounter with God in my bedroom. Now, there's no doubt that my life changed on February the 2nd of 1998. Well, what happened was, how many knows that here comes the first test of my Christian race. I'm running and a weight's fixing to enter into my life. Now, all of a sudden, the enemy starts bombarding. You never went to the altar. Man, you are not saved. You're not saved. John, how can you say that you're saved because you, the, you just heard the preacher. The preacher, he's the smartest one in the bunch. Let me say, I have found out that not to be true now. <laughs> he's just the one privileged to hold the mic. Are you with me now? 
So listen, that lie started circulating through my system, and it wasn't. It was about maybe a month later. I said, "You know what?" I told my mom, "I don't think I'm saved." She said, "John, if anybody's life has been changed, my God, you are saved." I said, "But mom, listen. Every time he closes the service and says, "Remember when you went to the altar," and I started believing this. Listen, God is very gracious to help us. I mean, I'm telling you, especially when you're just starting the journey. How many knows when you got when you first get saved? You pray a prayer the next day it's answered. Have you ever noticed that? You know what God's doing? He's training you just like our parents train us. He's building your faith. You've been in it 20 years. He might wait about 12 months on you. Has anybody? Come on now. Huh? He's building our faith up. And so I, I, I'm, I got this lie circulating in me and I'm running a race and all of a sudden now I'm getting, I'm getting hammered. I'm getting hammered on the job. I don't know if I'm saved. Every, all of my th- I, don't know if, I don't know if I'm born again. Listen, I don't know if we have a car wreck if I'm fitting to go to hell or heaven because the preacher said I didn't go to the altar. Well, I went on, a, on a, the next service I went, the preacher got up and this is what he said that night. He said, you remember when you came to the altar and gave your life to God. Again, the enemy highlighted. But he said this, listen. He said, or you made an altar somewhere. He said, your altar may have been in your bedroom. And man, when he said that, I bit into, I knew then, hey, I'm saved, devil. You can't lie to me anymore. That's the truth. I made an altar somewhere. Your altar might be in your car. Your altar might be in your car. Wherever, listen, the Bible says this. Here's the truth. Those that shall call upon the Lord Jesus shall be saved. It didn't give any circumstances. It didn't say in the church. It could be a fishing boat. It could be in a time of trouble. Those that call upon the Lord shall be saved. I've seen a lot of people pray a prayer that ain't saved. If I can talk you into it this morning, pray a prayer, anybody can talk you out of it. Or if I cut the lights off in here and we turn sirens on and give car wreck stories about people that left church, got in a fatal wreck. Everybody, all those stories, you know, they was listening to ACDC Highway to Hell when they got in the wreck. Let me quit right there. I got to stay at the task, get the, get the dogs back on this trail. We're trying to hunt another one. Look at this, so in Galatians, so here it is, look at this. You got saved, now you fix to start going to church. You're going to get your family in the house of God. You're running everything. Man, it's light. You got the suit on it this morning. You got the little bitty shorts. I mean, you got the little wife beater going on with your number on the front. You got your tennis shoes on. I mean, you're running the race. You feel good. Are you with me now? You got joy. I mean, man, I was bound, hooked up, but all kinds. God set me free. I'm in the race. I'm running now. Now's when you're going to find yourself in a church. Or let me say this. You're going to start getting around... Believers. I'm going to preach this thing good, okay? Listen, you got to be in church. But I'm telling you this. Some believers, you don't need to... (laughs) They can inject you with some crazy stuff. It's according to what tribe you hook up with. See, if you hook up with the wrong tribe, what they're going to start, they're going to start trying to clean your outside up, but they don't really, listen, God never cleans the outside of man up. He works from the inside out. That's why if you don't got it all together, don't worry about it. Listen, just keep walking with God and directly the outside will reflect what happened on the inside. Can I get an amen up in here? 
Listen, if you cussed all of your life and you gave your life to God tonight, and the next morning you hit a hat, you hit your finger with a hammer, you probably not gonna say, Glory to God. Huh? You probably gonna let something else fly in your coat. I thought he got saved. And listen, especially if they're a Christian, this is what they well, the Bible says sweet water and bitter water can't flow out the same fountain. I understand that. Listen, but what happens as seed form and it takes a while for that seed to grow on the inside of you. Listen to me. And after you keep walking with God, friend, three and four years, five years, you hit your hammer with the thumb. Uh, you hit your thumb with a hammer. You probably still going to say, hallelujah. Are you with me? So look at this. Uh, Galatians chapter five, verse seven. He said, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Look at this. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision... Why do, I, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do, you, do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Look at this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What could change America today is if every person on the face of the earth got that one word right there. Look at what he just said. Let's look at it again. For brethren, you have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through your love, serve one another. Look at this. For all the law is fulfilled. All the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So let's go on this. Here's these, the, the church at Galatia. They're running the race well. Now what happened to them? What, what caused them to stumble in their walk or in their race with God? They had preachers to come in and say, listen, I know that Paul says you're free. But listen here, you still got to abide by the laws in which we have. Let me break it down in, into our deal. A lot of times that we start living by the law in our own church groups. Got to cut your hair a certain way. Y'all probably never heard this. This is a song I heard when I was a little boy. If your hair's too long, there's sin in your heart. Get it cut today. Make a brand new start. Make a brand new start. That has nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with God. God doesn't look at the outward appearance as man does, but he looks at the inward man, which is the heart. You can have hair shorter than mine, which is probably none at all, and still have a wicked heart. And you can have long hair and have a heart of gold of the kingdom on the inside of you. It's not what's on the outside. 
in what happened in Galatia that they were trying to make themselves perfected by works instead of by grace alone. Fasting doesn't make you more spiritual. I'm all for, listen, Jesus said when you fast, not if you fast. Well, someone said, well, preacher, I'm looking at you and don't look like you fasted. Let me tell you, I fasted from 1030 till 7 o'clock this morning. So here's what the Bible says when you fast. All of these are Christian disciplines. Are you with me now? And they're good for us to do, but they don't have the faith. They don't have the power to save me. Tithing doesn't have the power to save me. And so what was happening is these these brothers were running good and then someone comes in and Jackson and says, hey man, you've got to be circumcised if you want. Well, Paul said we're saved by grace. What is it? Listen, church, we are saved by grace alone and it is not by our goodness but the goodness of Jesus and his love for us. So what happens, listen, if you're not careful when you start out, you'll start running under a performance mindset. And now my relationship will be based on not His goodness towards me, but how good I've been for Him. There's, i got three boys, and it's hard to believe, but they're not good all the time. But that doesn't mean in His worst day what He's done bad does not mean that He's not my son. Well, see, if you don't know this, when you make a mistake and you sin, and it's hard to believe, but let me give you a newsflash. Christian folks do sin. Hello. They do make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, listen, and if you're under a performance mentality, the first thing you're going to do is just what Adam did. The Bible says he ran and hid and tried to cover his own mistake. You can't cover your mistake. That's why we need the blood of Jesus, friend. Are you with me now? We didn't need the blood of Jesus just when we got saved. We need the blood of Jesus every day of our lives. It's simply by his grace that we're able to stand here. Grace is that you, you, you got what you didn't deserve. And mercy is you don't get what you do deserve. That's why we're here. And what was happening is this church was mixing a bunch of law in with the freedom. And, and that's what, that's what uh, Paul's saying. Who stumbled you? Where did you get this from? We didn't teach you this. You do not have to be under a performance mindset. Just love God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's that simple. There's no law against love. Just simply love God with all your heart. Say, what? we're going to get to the struggle in a minute because the Hebrews said, lay aside the sin. He didn't say some sin. He said the sin. How many knows that everybody in this room, we know what our struggle is. And the struggle won't never go away unless we identify it and treat it as that. Now, let's move on. Philippians chapter 3. Know what it is, but when you start preaching, man, time seems like it's just spinning faster than what it normally does. Listen to this Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Now, let's just say this because this, this is a weight. I, I was going to use uh, Grant's bag and I had some stuff taped, but it just didn't work out like that. So that's what we, I'm not taking fish tape back in practice. Cleve asked me, he said he wanted to do soft toss in here. But. <clears throat> 
But look at this that we're fixing to read where Paul's writing the church at Philippi. Think about this in the race. I'm still talking about the race here, but I want you to look at these verses of scriptures. In Hebrews, I mean Philippians chapter 12, the church at Philippi. Now that I have already, look, look at verse 12. Now that I have already obtained or am already perfected. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on. That's Listen, I don't care how long someone's been saved. I don't care what their title is. This is their position. No one has obtained. Mr. Tom has been at it for years. He's not obtained. He's still learning every day. If we're not learning every day or growing every day, friend, there's something wrong. And a child can teach us if we're willing to learn. Are you with me? So he's saying, not that I have already obtained and not that I'm already perfected. What he's saying, I'm in the race just like you guys. But I'm fixing to give you something, what I have obtained and what has helped me stay in the race. And that is to forget what has happened yesterday. Listen, a lot of people give their life to God and feel like God could never use them because of what they've done in the past. I got to give you a truth about God. God is all powerful. He's He's omnipresent. He, I mean, He's He's everything in the bag of chips. But let me tell you, His one weakness He can't remember. Oh my God, I'm gonna have to go to a church that ain't holy. We got halos around the hills up in here. One thing that he cannot remember is my sin because the Bible says he cast it as far as the east is from the west. Listen, the person that reminds you of your past and your failures, if the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren, which is the devil. Well, you're going to go up in there and act like you holy, lifting your hands in worship. We seen what you did yesterday. If it's under the blood, it's under the blood. Friend, are you with me now? So I start running the race and all of a sudden the enemy brings every failure that I've ever had in my life. And Paul said, listen, if you're going to run, you're going to have to run the race, be willing to forget those things which are behind. Let me tell you some things I had to learn how to forget those things. I've had to leave some offenses behind. Anybody else up in this room? There's times that I felt like I was done wrong. Hey, and there's times I have been done wrong. I had to be willing to leave that behind, let it go, let God handle it, and move straight on forward. Because if not, you will sit down, bog down in the race, and get set right there and never move forward. Let me tell you what else I had. I've had to leave some sin that I had committed. Well, let me say, in Christian lingo, my struggle. We don't call it sin. That's my struggle. That's why we can't get free because we're calling it a struggle like it's a little friend dangling behind us. Listen, the Bible refers to it as sin and Jesus paid for my sin and I have to take that sin and recognize it at Calvary and say, listen, this has already been paid for. You didn't get delivered the day you got delivered in the church. You got delivered over 2,000 years ago. You just accepted that day in the church what Christ has already done for you. Hello. We didn't get, I didn't get saved on February the 2nd of, of 1998. I got saved when Jesus hung on the cross. I just received what he did for me on February the 2nd of 1998. 
the things that we we used to sing this song to. Somebody got saved. Probably you grew up in the Pentecostal church. You know, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, about verse two. Mm. There, now I grew up in the shape, man. We shook. You know what I'm saying? Bobby pins would fly out, buns going. I mean, it was on. You know what I'm saying? I was a little boy. We, me and my little cousin, we'd be laughing in the people. Oh, boy, it's on in here now. We'd be hiding. But listen, your name was written down in glory when you entered the earth. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that your name shall be written when you receive Jesus. But there is something in the Bible that says where your name shall be blotted out. God never intended. I, it blew up the Calvinists a little bit. I like some of their teaching, but this is where. Huh? God intended that you was going to receive Jesus and live the life he intended you to live. Letting go of the past. Letting go of the past. Check this out. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He tells his disciples before he ever gets in the Garden of Gethsemane, go sell this and what I want you to do is I want you to buy a sword. Buy a sword and go get one to sharp. I mean, buy a killing sword. They go, I mean, they got it. And I can just picture Peter because he's probably a lot like me, you know. He speaks sometimes before he thinks. And he's got this sword, you know what I'm saying? He's probably showing it to Bartholomew and Matthew. My God, look at this one. It's bad. Well, they go to the garden. They're praying. Jesus done has, I mean, they can't even pray an hour and they're falling asleep, which is like, like us. Come on, let's just be honest. Can't tarry an hour. <clears throat> now they come into the garden to get Jesus. Peter jumps up and he says, listen, I'm no prophet, John, but let me tell you this. I know Jesus is, and this is why he told us to get the sword. They're coming in here to hijack us tonight. He cuts Malchus's ear off, which was, one, which was one of the head people for the high priest. Cuts his ear off. Jesus turns around and tells him, he said, listen, put the sword up. What have we bought a sword for? I'm not going to wear it around every day if I can't use it. This is a little like to me a good time to use it. Jesus tell him, put the sword up. He reaches down and he, and he heals Malchus by putting the ear back on and he heals him. Listen, if when, when they arrested Jesus, if Malchus would have went back to Pilate and showed him his ear and said, that's the man who struck me with his sword, he would have been hanging right beside Jesus. But Jesus had already prophesied over Peter, and he said, when you're young, you went about where you wanted to. But when your old men are going to lead you where you don't want to go, speaking of how he would die, and church history tells us that Peter died on a cross, but he was not hanging vertically. They turned him upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to hang like the Lord. This is the man that denied Jesus by the fire to a teenage girl and said, I do not know him. Is the same man that went to the cross for him. Why are you saying this? Listen, because when the enemy came to accuse him, Jesus destroyed the evidence that was against him. I'm trying to tell you how to let go of your past. When the enemy comes to remind you of what you did, how bad it was. Listen, you're you, you trying to do something and you went, to a, you, you went through a divorce. You've done this. Listen, you, you, you had sex before. You've done all of this stuff. Listen, what Jesus did was destroy the evidence file that he had against us and he wiped our slate clean so that we could run this race. There's not a person in this room that hasn't had failure. 
If you haven't failed, that means you haven't tried something, friend. We've all made mistakes. But the deal is, is I can't live in the past. I can't go back and change what I've done. I was so bad in school, I hate to say it. But I had one teacher retired. She retired. She, me and another friend, and Matt knows him, his name, his name is Ashley. She said, if they ever come back through here. She sent us to the office every other day. We just we didn't even go to the office. We had second lunch, so we went to first lunch. We never made it to the office. Sign our own papers and take them back to us. When I got saved, she sent this long letter to my house. She's, she's a Baptist lady. She said, you don't know how much my faith just went up in God. <laughs> this is what she said. She said, if God can save you, she said, I'm telling you, I got faith to believe anything now. That same woman, about five years later, had severe back problems and I was preaching and she was in one of my meetings and God healed her back in that meeting right there. Listen, we ain't all been pretty in here. I ain't always been a preacher. I ain't always had my name on the card with the evangelist or whatever else is now. It ain't always been like that. But what I had to do when I started, when I accepted the call to preach, is I had to settle the fact that Jesus paid for the life in which I had lived, and I have to forget those things that are back. That is not who I am. Hallelujah. Come on. I can't even preach this all this morning. Listen, what, what happens is people identify us with our fault. We call the lady with the issue of blood. That's not her name. She had a name, but we identify her with her issue. We called Doubting Thomas because one time he looked at the brethren and said, listen, unless I can put my finger in the nail scarred hands, I will not believe. We forget the scripture that when they said they were, Thomas said, I'll die for Jesus tonight. Listen, we are not going to get caught up because we had an issue in our life and allow that to be our identity or who we are. I might have been on drugs one time, but I'm not a drug addict. I'm a child of the living God who has been set free by the blood of the lamb we cannot get caught up in the issue yes I had the issue yes but it's not who I am that's just a photograph in my life friend but you got to read the rest of the story the rest of the story is in his goodness and in his mercy he came in and covered me by the blood of his only son and set me free and he cast that as far as the east is from the west Oh my God, friend, listen, the devil's going to remind you of your pain. you got to tell him your future. My future is this, Jeremiah 29 and 11. I know the plans and the hope that I have for you, says God. Plans to bless you, not to harm you, and give you an expected end. That ain't who I was. That was a mistake. Conviction says you made a mistake. Shame says you are a mistake. Conviction says you made a mistake. Get it right. Shame says you are a mistake. And that's a lie, friend. You rip that shame off and tell the devil he's an absolute liar, which he is. He's a bald-faced liar. That's like we was talking about, I heard people talking about casting out devils said they want to ask him what his name is. I don't never ask the devil what his name is. He's a liar anyhow. He's probably going to lie about his name. I don't give a rip what his name is. I just say come out in Jesus' name. You can take your name with you. You don't, I don't care what your name is. Why are you going to ask the liar what his name is? He's going to lie about it anyhow. Just tell him to come out of victim, get gone. 
in Jesus' name. Listen, so we got to learn how to let the past go. You know what else? i got to let my past disappointments go. What I thought was going to happen and it didn't happen. This is where the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Deferred means delayed or drawn out. Things that I believe God for that did not happen in the time frame in which I thought they should happen. I have to let that go and press on to the high mark of God in Christ Jesus. Let the past go. Let it go. Clay's got a set of driver's licenses. My God, we would not put on the screen. Because <laughs> things ain't always been put in his life. And the driver's license image tells the story. But you know what? He can sit here today who is an elder of this church, and he can feed on this. I'm not worthy to be an elder of Cornerstone. Look at what, my, what I've done in my life. Or he can accept the goodness of God in Christ Jesus who... I, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> Let me... I got to give you a newsflash. You know what? That, that Clay, that Irvin Clay Green that's on that driver's license died. He was buried a long time ago. And that old man died of supernatural causes because here's what you got to understand. In Christ Jesus, he says he makes us a new creation. The man that craved drugs died of supernatural causes of the cross. It hit him right dead square in the top of the head and killed him. And now the new man craves the word of God, the presence of God, and the power of God. We're a whole new creation, friend. People come around me all that. Some of my old buddies, I went up, John, you remember? I said, man, no, listen, I, that ain't even, that man's been dead. He died February the 2nd of 1998. Oh, this man right here, boy, he loves some Rick Pino. Some... Why? Because all things have been created new. That old person's dead. Your old man does not exist, friend. You're not trying to find your... Listen, he's gone. He died. We buried him. Lord, can't tell it all in 50 minutes, but I can, I'm, I'm fitting... Put on your seatbelt. We're fitting to land at the airport, okay? Coming down hard. Hate him flipped the notes over yet. <laughs> Look at this. I want to say this right here. One of the things, too, that I have to let go is the pain that I experienced in previous seasons. You have to identify with pain in your life. You can't shove it off like it don't exist. That's crazy. And you have to uncover that pain and you have to deal with it piece by piece because all of us have had pain in our lives. It ain't always been pretty. People look at people with success. Listen, overnight success doesn't exist. If it does, overnight failure can happen. Bible teaches in Proverbs that, that an inheritance gained swiftly will always end in waste. Our life is a process. We're growing. We're at one stage of the race. And you have to enjoy the stage of the race you're in. I, it would be, let me just say this. It would be ridiculous for me to become envious of Tom at his stage of the race and where I'm at. Because he's had 40 years on me. And there's, there's a lot of things I can get in the realm of the Spirit, and there's, a, and there's a lot I can get out of the Bible, but there's some things that only time, as far as wisdom comes, is just time teaches. He's had the ability to walk through more things. He's already raised his kids. I'm trying to raise mine. 
And what would be foolish is say, hey, man, don't tell me how to raise my kids. Okay. We say that, don't tell me how to raise my kids. Well, no, they done what they, listen, what they're trying to say is, hey, I can tell you a few things that you don't have to go purchase the same shirt we did. So wisdom is to look at the silver hair and know they have it for a reason. And I have no hair for a reason. (laughs) Are you with me? So you have to deal with pain. So, so listen, there's, there's, there's in, my, in my race with God, there's areas that I've endured a lot of pain. Now notice this, too, that in Ephesians, there's really three stance in the, in the life of God that is really uh, pictured in the book of Ephesians. It is running, walking, and finally, Paul, enters, this is where he closes out Ephesians. He says, finally, my brethren, when you've done all you know to do, stand, stand therefore, girded. And he goes through the armor of God. Sometimes in the race, we're just standing. But just because you're standing doesn't mean you're not progressing. And, and here's the thing. There's other people in this room are running. They're at the stage, man, where they're running. And I may be at the stage where I'm standing. But it doesn't mean we're not all in the race moving. Pain. Let's talk about this for a second. You remember when Jesus was on the cross in Matthew chapter 27, the Bible says when he, when he said, Eli, Eli, sabachthani. And they said, some say he's calling for Elijah. Remember that? A guy ran and he took a sponge and he filled it full of sour wine and gall and he offered it to Jesus. And Jesus refused it. If you study that out, the gall that is mentioned in the King James, that was a modern day paint. That was a that was in their time a painkiller. So let's put it in idea. What he did is he said he run up to Jesus, said, Jesus, if you'll take this oxycodone or this lore set, it'll it'll do away with some of that pain and agony you're on the cross. Because we know this according to Scripture, not one of his bones were broken, but according to Psalms 22, Jesus died of a, his heart ruptured inside of his chest and spilt down into his loins. Why did Jesus refuse the painkiller? I mean, for surely if I'm in agony, I mean, and it's, it's offered to me. It's like this. I remember when Catherine had Grant, she said, we're gonna, I'm going to have a natural birth. She said, we're going to do everything natural. Man, when she made it to like a three or four, I mean, she wanted anything off the street, bring pure crack up in here and let's do it. <laughs> hey, and we went to the hospital. I'm done right here. I'm landing at the airport. We just got, they just told me, said, hold them up for five minutes right here to bring clearance. Uh-huh. When we had Grant, she went into labor on Christmas Eve at night. I preferred it to happen like at 10 o'clock in the morning where we could have slept all night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we had Grant in Savannah, so we had to drive from my parents' house because we get at my parents' house on Christmas Eve, and we drove all the way to Savannah, and the girl, listen, it was her last shift. She wasn't working at Memorial anymore, and they just left us in there. They forgot about us. So I said, hey, my wife's in here. And the other girl come back. It didn't even hardly check her. Say, yes, y'all go home. She's going to have this child in a couple of days. It's Christmas Eve. And it's like 10.30. We leave it out. I mean, we're young. I'm 25 years old. I ain't never had no children before, you know. I mean, and then Catherine looks at me and says, we can't go all the way home. 
I mean, she heard voices growling down. I'm like, oh my God, this prophetic, I mean, dancing woman, now he's a demon in here. I'm praying in tongues. She said, you got to get a room. I said, Catherine, it's Christmas Eve. So we pulled in there. Like, I mean, it was like for a Hampton, like 170 bucks. I said, are you kidding me? We wasn't in that room one hour. Our doctor had to leave because of medical emergency. He had, had to go to where Birmingham, Alabama, because his uh, daughter or something had, a, yeah, had to have open heart surgery, emergency. So the doctor's on call. So I call him, and he calls me back. I'm in the, she's screaming in the Hampton. I'm doing all I know to do, and he, this is what he tells me. He said, Mr. Bagley, he said, tell me what you want me to do. Now, I got the king in the kingdom in me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I said, sir, listen here. I said, I'm a phone man. If you call me, I'm going to go fix your phone. I'm not calling you to come fix my phone. I'm asking you to deliver the doggone child my wife's about to have. We in the happening down here, and she's screaming. So we go back. She almost missed the time of the epidural. Didn't know if they were going to let us in. You know, it's the time. How many members of Southern Link was real big? You know what I'm saying? And you could just hit that, and whatever they said, just come out. My daddy was just, I mean, he was blessing the whole hospital, not in Christian language. You know what I'm saying? But pain, listen, pain will force you to get out of the race if it's not dealt with. The reason why Jesus did not receive the painkiller is because he wanted to identify with every bit of the pain we would experience and he wanted it nailed to the cross. But listen to me. Listen to me. It takes great courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's not. How many's ever, like if you remember, like, like um, I grew up a country boy or whatever, so we would have ropes tied up in a tree that we would swing down into the creek or something, and you go back to some of the swimming holes you swim and think, oh my God, I can't believe we didn't die, you know what I'm saying? But you remember like on the high line when you jumped off or whatever the first time, I mean, you, you just really couldn't do it. But when you, it was not that you didn't have the absence of fear, but what happened is you had the courage to step over the fear and do it anyhow. This is what God wants to give us courage to deal with the pain that we have experienced in life. If you don't deal with that, let's just say this. Say, for instance, you had a spouse to walk out on you and leave you. That feeling of abandonment and that pain, if you just, if you just cover it up, well, it don't really exist. Well, what happens when, when you meet the next charming, okay, if you will, that pain and abandonment feeling will still be there and you'll judge that person through every bit of that pain and hurt. God wants us to identify with it and say, listen, Paul said, if I'm not willing to let it go, this is one thing that I've learned. He's writing this not as a young man starting out. He's writing this at the end of the journey saying, guys, listen, I've learned one thing. I've got to let go of the past. I let go of what I've done wrong. I didn't handle it right. Did Paul not handle things right? Listen, him and Barnabas got into a heated argument over another minister of the gospel by the name of John Mark. And Paul looked at Silas and said, listen here, if you want to take his sorry in, you take him, but you get out of my office. I'm just putting it in modern day language. <laughs> Only thing I know this, I don't believe it happened like this. Well, well uh, Silas, if you want John Mark, then I, I just encourage you to take him because the Bible says in the King James language says that the that the, the 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 heated argument between the two split them, separated them. 
But Barnabas took John Mark and he encouraged him in the Lord. And later on, when Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, go get my books that I left at Troas. And he says this. And he said, also, get, bring John Mark. I don't know what the heck I was thinking. He's profitable for the ministry. Bring him. Nobody handles it perfect. But the deal is this. We have the courage. Play right here. Allie, Mike, where are you? I'm, that we have the courage to face it. That pain, that fear, we have the courage to face it and say, you know what, I refuse this part right here in my life to stop me from the destiny God has for me. I refuse to let a failure in my life keep me from what God has for me. And here's the thing that I know this about God. God seems to choose the ones that have the most jacked up, not the best circumstances. Why? Because if He would have chose the man that was best qualified, the man could take the credit. But if you know you ain't qualified, if you know you come from the other side of the tracks and you're standing somewhere big, you know that that was God that done that. And God elevates us to that place not for us to get a big head or for us, but He elevates us because He's got a plan and a purpose for us standing there. You remember Joseph that was done out by his brothers? If he had not dealt with that pain when they showed up in the, when they came to Egypt because they didn't have no food, Joseph would have said, look, he honored them. Sorry, jokers. Oh, boy. Look at here. Now they don't have no food. I should have sold me out. No, but God had worked humility and forgiveness in his life. And when he looked at them and he said, now this is why I know what they meant for evil, God meant for my good. God protected our family by putting me in that pit. I didn't understand the process. But through the process, God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. God put me in that horrible process so that I would be at a place of influence when my family needed me the most. He called his brothers in and said, listen, guys, I know you didn't understand what was happening. Listen, but I'm telling you, there's some kind of way it was the plan of God that I fell down in there. You sold me out and lied to daddy. Listen, but you know what? Our family's going to survive now because we got grain. God loves you, friend. He's passionate about it. This is, God is committed to the process in our life. He's committed. He that hath begun a good work in us shall complete it unto the day of Jesus. I'm going to give you one more, one more good thing before you leave. Because the gospel is the good news. If you leave church and you feel like you got bad news, you didn't get the gospel. The gospel is good news. And what is news? News is current situations going on right now. I'm preaching about current stuff happening right now. And I'm telling you good news. The good news is this. If you fall out of the race, you run with some marathon and you fell out of the race. You might be in this room and say, you know what, preacher, I've been out of the race for 15 years. Let me tell you how good God is. He'll insert you right back in the tribe, in the part of the race. It's kind of like this. Watch it as the world turns or as the world burns or the fading light. You can take a break from watching the God and life for five years and jump right back in there and be caught up. Junior's like, God help him with them analogies. Listen, I've been out of the race for 10 years, preacher. You don't know. Listen, God's so gracious, he'll put you right back on point. And you can turn around and laugh at the devil and say, look at how much ground I just made up. 
Why do you know this? Because listen, I know you know the parable of the of the of the workers when Jesus said these started at the morning. There was some that came in at the closing forty five minutes, the last hour, worked one hour and got the same pay. Tom been running for sixty years. I didn't come in until nineteen ninety eight, and I get the same pay. If you come in today, you get the same pay of what I've been tolling for the last 18 years of my life. This is grace. This is mercy. Stand up with me. I want to pray over you. I want to encourage you today, friend. Get in the race. Get in the race. Get yourself not. Listen, some of you have had the wind knocked out of you. I'm telling you this morning by faith this morning, knock, your, knock the dust off. Listen, God's here to help you. He won't say, all you got to do is call out to him. You don't have to come down here to the front, cry with me, any of that. Repentance is not tears anyhow. I understand that godly sorrow does lead to repentance. Don't judge me and take me where I'm not going, okay? I do know a little Bible. But let me tell you what repentance is. Repentance is a change of mind. Repent. Re means to do over. Pent means top floor, penthouse. Repent. It means to change the way you think. So if you come here today and you're thinking, well, you know, man, my life really don't matter. Here's a fat, bald-headed guy from Sparks, Georgia, telling you your life does matter. And I'm trying to tell you today that everything that happened in your life maybe wasn't the plan of God. But there's one thing about God. God has a way of taking what the enemy meant to take us out and turn it around to be good. That's God. God takes the areas that we've been hurt and wounded in. He heals us and empowers us to go set other people free in those areas. You with me? So what you going to know? Tomorrow when you get up out of bed, you're going to think different. You're going to say, you know what? I'm in a race here. That preacher said, I'm in a race. You know what I realized? I've been holding on to things that happened to me back in the 90s. I'm not going to hold on to those anymore. I'm not going to hold, I'm not going to hold on to words what people spoke over me and told me how sorry I was, how I was done wrong. I'm letting that go today. I'm not toting that no more. Because if you tote that, you're the only one that's in offense with that. The other person's not harmed by that. I can sit here and hope every, I can hope that the dog dies and everything. Listen, I'm the only one struggling. I'm the only one dealing with that bitterness. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let where I've made mistakes in my life go. Are you with me? I'm pressing towards something, friend. I'm after something this morning. Father, I bless this group of people this morning. In the name of Jesus. Turn her up a little bit, guys. Father, I'm after something this morning. And I thank you that I'm in the race. And I thank you this morning, God, that by the by, by, my trust is this, God, that you are loosening weight all over this room. You're loosening weight all over this room where people has been heavy. Father, I thank you that by the angels of the Lord in this place that are just breaking those weights off of us, God. We are not going to be bound to the past, God. I know I will not be I will not be labeled by the issue that I've had in my life. I thank you for total freedom in Christ Jesus, and I receive that today. And I thank you, Lord, that for your grace and your mercy upon my life and repositioning me in the race and putting me right back in line where I need to be. I receive it today by faith in the name of Jesus. Will you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on. Come on. Hallelujah.
Listen, touch your neighbor right there on the shoulder. We just want to do this right here. We're going to touch our neighbor on the shoulder. We're just going to release a blessing from hand to hand. Just pray this prayer. Say, Father, I just encourage them in their race right now. I just thank you for helping them. I thank you for helping our family today, God, to help us today to run this race. And, Father, help us to let go of things in the past. Come on, just say that over them. Say, God, we lay aside the sin. We're not going to be bound. We're not going to be bound in some sin cycle. We release it today in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I speak blessing over my brother and over my sister today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen here. God bless you all. We'll see you here on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Amen. Hug somebody. Tell them you love them.